Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday, March 15th, 2021. It's the Ides of March, Tristan. Do you even know what that means? That's Tristan H. Cockcroft. No! <laughs> How soppy produces and researches our little show. He probably knows. This is the supposedly notorious for the date that Julius Caesar was assassinated. I don't know when was that. Was that last year? Uh, I'm Eric Carabell. Just lucky to be here. Um, Tristan, how was your weekend? All is well, I hope. We are not that old. That did not happen last year. We are not. We are 25. <laughs> and I think you're 29, but I'm 25. Why am I older? Um, on today's I don't know. show. Why did you get that? <laughs> It's all a little bit ridiculous. Um, on today's show, the latest news and trivia and hash brown, you know what we're going to talk about. If you're listening to our show twice a week, you pretty much know, like the setup is the same. I just kind of like go through it each each day and uh, this is what we get. Not a lot of news actually today, um, but we'll try to get to it. I guess Steven Strasburg is the main story. Calf strain left his outing on Sunday and I'm writing about it in my weekend wrap, but I, it doesn't seem like much to me. You know, does it seem like much to you? Are you going to drop him? Where do you have him? If you have him, say, as the number 25 starting pitcher, which seems like he's pin ADP, and it seems like a hedge. He's either 15 or he's 50 um, in the rankings to me. He's either a potential ace or he's, you know, he misses so much time that he, he drops down. That's the narrative on Strasburg. It's a little annoying since he threw like 250 innings in 2019. But are you concerned about this? Because there's other pitchers that are definitely going on the disabled list or the injured list. I don't think Strasburg is, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's doubling down on the hedge. That's all. I don't think anything really changes for me. I think I already had baked in any worry I would have had about workload. I don't think that anybody can reasonably draft Strasburg with great confidence he's going beyond 30 starts or 200 innings. I don't know that many people are going to do it anyway, so what's the difference? But this just raises again the fact that he's not a completely safe fully draftable, going to give you everything kind of pitcher. And that's really the only knock. I, I don't think that's any surprise. No, and according to the Todd Zola projections, 27 starts, 149 innings. Um, for perspective, Scherzer, 30 starts, 181 innings. But 3.38 ERA, 1.13 whip, 10.3 uh, uh, K9, which is fine, 12 wins. So uh, that seems like the number 25 starting pitcher to me, something like that. Am I going to fade him? Like if if I had a shot at Strasburg or Patrick Corbin's going later, we project Corbin for four extra starts, two hundred seven strikeouts, higher ERA and WHIP, obviously. But I probably lean towards Corbin uh, like two or three rounds later as a value pick. I don't think I have Str. I've I've drafted so many teams. Can I just tell you? I know you have as well. I, I can't even. I usually have like oh, these these are, these are the teams I'm counting on. I have a spreadsheet or something. I'm not even bothering between like. NFC teams and sim teams and mock teams. I don't even know who I have, but I'm pretty sure I don't have Strasburg anywhere. I don't think that's by design. It's just like when his spot comes around, I'm always looking somewhere else. Do you have, have you rostered him? I don't think I have. Um, I might've once because the value was right. Uh, for example, if he had fallen to about the 30th starting pitcher, then I would have been on board. Um, I don't believe I did. I don't, and I know I didn't for Corbin, and and that's that is really a tough call between the two of them. I agree with you that there's, well, actually, I'll take a step back from this. I'm actually writing. I, you just did your do not draft. I'm doing my not on my team list this week, and I'm actually finding that there aren't as many players. I'm just completely against drafting. I'm trying to remain you know, uh, willing to draft anybody at the right price. And these two fall into that mold. I don't want to draft Strasburg. I don't really want to draft Corbin, 
But there are cases where Strasburg's falling to 30. Corbin's dropping to 50th among starting pitchers. And at those prices, I mean, I'll forgive what happened in 2020. And I think people should be a little bit more open-minded to that. We've been saying that all offseason. Right. And everybody should check out Tristan's most recent work. He did a Tristan's 20, his fantasy baseball sleepers, which really isn't the correct term, I don't think, because nobody thinks Rafael Devers is a sleeper. But like, like these are guys you want to invest in. These are guys you should read the article, everyone. These are guys he and, and some of these guys end up on my list as well. I, my story was called something different, but like I have Dylan Carlson. Ty France is a great pick. Yeah. Ty France just hits. Like we he actually, just hits. We actually had an almost entirely common outfield. I did notice that. Um, yeah, and and Carlson especially. I and there's been some favorable drafting in terms of the ADP on Carlson, but I do see instances. I actually had a draft last night where Carlson did slip. You can get a good number of these players that you and I both uh, both cited, especially in the outfield, at good prices. And I also think another one based on his his uh, hamstring injury, and you know we'll see how that plays out. Trent Grisham. Trent Grisham right now could be a, a, a value opportunity. I could see that. I can't. I mean, you've got a guy on there. Victor Robles just – I hit the ball harder than he did. I, I I see the point. A year ago I was in. Now I'm out. Like, So well, let me ask you this because when I read the part about Victor Robles in your tw- – and we'll get back to the news. There's not that much anyway. When do you decide that you're going to you know, kind of go with what StatCast tells you and when do you decide you're just going to ignore it? Because it seems like you're doing that here. I, I am and I'm not. I, I, I am with the bat. I think Robles, as you said, you you hit with more authority than he does, and I think pretty much everybody else does. He was bottom 10 in terms of the average exit velocity, and that hasn't changed in his career. Where I'm not going with the stat cast is the sprint speed change from last year, and that was a, a lot of the crux of the anti-Robles argument is that he slowed considerably. I think it was 1.3 feet per second slower, which is uh, – that's plummeting by stat cast sprint speed metrics. But it's not all only about that. And the other is that Robles had that story about adding the 15 pounds of muscle during summer camp, actually pre-summer camp during the pandemic when they weren't playing, brought it into summer camp and was never right. He was playing tight. I actually made the Willie Mays Hayes in Major League Two, if anybody painfully watched that sequel. Uh, It's like that. But I do think that Robles knows what happened, is admitting it, acknowledging it, coming into spring training with a different approach. And I'm willing to give him that benefit because here's the other. Eric, I don't know how you're seeing with stolen bases. I'm finding that the guys who give you primarily steals are being overvalued. Miles Straw immediately comes to mind. I'm seeing people actually paying, paying a price for Roman Quinn. I would rather have Robles. Robles did have those scouts positives about that he could add a little bit of, you know, of uh, of exit velocity. Don't you think there's a possibility that at his age he does grow a little bit this year, and that where he's going he could be a value? I do. Um, our projections for him are 12 home runs, 23 steals, 246. I think that's fine. I think that's actually what I would project. Mm-hmm. But is that is that worth it in like round 18? I don't think like and it's possible. Oh, and 18, Tavares and 18 is great. In 18, that would be great. I don't think that's where he's going to go on the high end. I think how is that even of- worth it in round 18, though? There's no question that's worth it around 18. 23 steals and nothing else is worth it around 18. Mouth straw is going in like rounds 20 and 21 in some drafts. I've seen it happen. I've seen Robles. Not in ESPN drafts. He's not even going in ESPN drafts. I know, but I'm considering the entire scope of things because if we narrowed it only to what the seven past seven days of ESPN ADP tells us, we are never going to find a value. And I'm sure you experienced this with yeah. the do and do not drafts. I, I, I see your point. I guess my point is this. 
if I have to take Victor Robles around 13 to get 12 home runs, 23 steals, and he does nothing in the other three categories, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. Wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> it's not worth it to me. Wholeheartedly why I was agree. a little surprised to see him on there, but check out Tristan's 20. And by the way, check out how to use the custom dollar value generator. Can you give us a little uh, glimpse of what this story is about? Because I didn't know that was coming. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, so there's some tricks in here of the custom value uh, dollar value generator, and the the one of the purposes of this column is that we don't provide customized individual ranking sets and cheat sheets for every single possible scoring system out there. And the primary one for me is the six by six, where you put in on base percentage, slugging percentage instead of batting average. And on the pitching side, there are three other tweaks and a, an added category: innings pitch. We talk about that one a lot. So it's an opportunity to get a little bit deeper into six by six because we didn't do a specific ranking set. But what the generator does, it gives you the opportunity to very quickly, very easily come up with a customized ranking set specifically to your league. Great tool out there. Um, And I give you a couple of the tricks in which you could use this for your own purposes to make your own personal adjustments. It's not just about you go in there, you enter your specs, you print it out off your printer and you're done. You could actually dive in a little bit more deeply. So there's some tricks as to how you could use that to make this, uh, you know, bake in some of your own opinions. All right. uh, Back to the news. Sonny Gray, the Cincinnati Reds, is probably starting the season on the injury list. I've got him as a keeper in one of my leagues. I just took him, I think, in labor. I'm not too happy about this. Um, But uh, he has back spasms. It sounds more like a delay in his ramping up for the season than a major thing that's going to, you know, cost him half the year. So maybe he ends up at 30 starts the season instead of 32 or 33. Um, but this is going to make his ADP plummet. And I ask you, should it? Like if he's the number 25 starting pitcher right now, he's probably like 20. He's going to plummet now, isn't he? Yes. And I think the reason is going to be this ties to the biggest knock on his 2020, which was the mid-back issue was what sidelined him briefly last year and threw his metrics off. It was a very brief period, but this resurfacing after an offseason is not a good sign. But I agree that there's right now no cause for complete alarm. If he drops down to the you know 35th among starting pitchers, at least today, I would say that that's a good value point. So right now in ESP and ADP, and that's not the be-all end-all, but that's what's happening in our leagues. I mean, obviously we can go to NFBC, we can look at other sites and see what their ADP is. Maybe it's better, maybe it's not. But right now, Strasburg is the number 25 starting pitcher. Uh, he's going in the 10th round. Sonny Gray's actually one, one, one behind him. Sonny, uh, Sonny Gray's number 26. Carlos Carrasco's number 24. He's injured as well. Where, where do you rank these guys now, knowing that all three of them are a little bit hurt and it's possible that none of them are ready for opening day? Carrasco, Strasburg, Gray, then it's Wheeler, Paddock, Greinke, Lamette, Lazardo. Are you dropping any, all, none, what? Yeah, and Lamette is another one who falls into that tricky yeah. spot between these four. It's extremely fluid between all four. I'll say that that the gut tells me that I'm most concerned or think there's the least value coming from Sonny Gray, but I just said if he drops down to 35, I'd probably be in. I think I would go Carrasco just by a hair over Strasburg, but I can very easily make it the Strasburg first case out of those. How about you? I I want to stick with Gray because I've got him rostered in so many leagues and I don't have Strasburg anywhere, but I think I've got Carrasco in my top 20. So, like, who are these pitchers that are going ahead of him? I'm trying to look at the ADP to see if there's anything that's a little bit weird. Like, Max Freed, I don't think I would take Freed over Carrasco or Gray right now. But in a week, ask me, and I may. Jose Barrios, like, what changed? 
Like why? Like he led your Tristan's, Tristan's 20. I'm like, what changed with Perez? Cause I thought he was, his ADP was more like 28 to 30 among starting pitchers. And now it's all the way up to 22. So is it just because others are hurt and he keeps moving up? I think everybody ahead there I like. So maybe I shouldn't be ranking these guys as well. With Wheeler, I just don't know about the strikeouts. With Paddock, it's the ERA from last year. With Granke, he's 47 years old. You hate him. I don't know what to do with these starting pitchers. I, I think that I, I think that in a general sense, like I want to get two of the top 15, and then I may like skip down to like fill it out a little bit later because there's a lot of pitchers. I love Patrick Corbin. He's going around 15. I would take him earlier than that. Joe Musgrove, I take him earlier than that. Julio Urias, Urias, he's going around 14. I would take him earlier than that. So I like the. The pitchers going in the 35 to 50 range. I don't want to say more than those in the 25 to 35 range, but maybe just as much. They seem to be healthier. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. So I'll try to summarize it as quick as I can. Uh, you remember I said that I think this, I agree that uh, this is an opportunity to buy two of the top starting pitchers and then go extremely deep on hitters, avoiding that tier that you just mentioned. I think that is a very valid strategy for this season. Um, Barrios is the other part I want to get to. What changed? The fastball. Command was a problem with the fastball. I talk about this in the Tristan's 20. And so far, so good during spring training. The reports on that have been improved. And if that one little thing gets changed, I am all in on him. I will also say that there are a lot of people aware that I'm all in on Jose Barrios and I'm not getting him in my drafts. I mean, we know in labor, I think he went for $25, which was one of the top, I think it was one of the top six or seven starting pitchers. To me, that's a little bit too much. I'm a little burned out from all these drafts. I have to admit <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't have more to come. I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little burned out. I mean, I've just done so many of them already between, and, and a lot of them weren't like you just sit down for three hours and do it. A lot of them were like the email, like either the email kind or like in an NFPC format where you have like three, four hours to make a pick. And I made cues. And by the end of like one of them, I was just like, I don't even care what I get anymore. Like I'm, I've, I've got so many players rostered in so many places. I almost want to just like not do any of these things next season, you know, whether it's labor and tout or some of these, you know, 50 round drafts, it's like a lot for me. And I, yeah, you're right. I, we have tout wars coming up this coming weekend. And I think I'm going to prepare by just like eating a pizza. I, I'm not sure what I want to do like in advance of this. I'm in which which uh, tat wars are you in? I'm in mixed, I believe. I, I should know by now. But what are you? Yeah, in? you're in. You're in the mixed. Unless you change, you're in the mixed auction. I think that's the fifth. I don't even know what time that starts. It's like five days before. I don't even know when it starts. When are you? What are you? Yeah, what are you in? I don't have. I don't have the time for the start of mine. It usually starts at nine or ten in the morning. But I'm in the NL only format, twelve team NL only. That's uh, salary so, cap draft format. Do you look at NL labor as a precursor to NL tout to see like what we did, the mistakes that I made so you don't make them? Or do you just you're so much smarter than everybody else, you don't need to look and see what everyone else did? I I do look at it. Uh, So the the problem with NL labor as a reference point is that it uses batting average, not on base percentage. And that actually this also came up in the custom dollar generator column. Uh, that in an on-base replaces batting average league specifically, just that one, the Tell Wars format, uh, more money gets thrown into batters and especially the walkers. It's a little bit more dramatic, and that's where the values come in. So I'll look at the pitching market in your draft pretty heavily. I'm going to get some reads from there because it's some of the same people that are going to be in a labor. But beyond that, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a great idea to take one draft and say, well, it's just going to follow this one to the T. It never happens that way. 
Well, don't, don't look at my team because everybody says that team is bad. <laughs> so look, really? look at other teams. My last my last go around in labor and it's a bad team. I hate that. Um, but it's it's one of the I told you, like, it's still a competitive team. It's just I think you're going to need to make some moves during the year to boost the the upside on it. Well, I'm not going to do a damn thing. All right. By the, uh, by the way, by the way I, I, I'm sorry to jump in with it, but I got to say this one about that 50 team draft that you have with the email ones. I got to say, especially right now with not being able to do live drafts for most people, people need to chill and be a little bit more patient with people doing email drafts. That's all I got to say about that. People need to understand that people have lives, have things going on, and you know, don't rush it. If you got Windows, just you know, try to be as attentive as you can. But look, we're all, we're all in a challenging state. I can't imagine what dra- what league you're talking about, but I, <laughs> no, I mean that's that goes to all of them. I do hear a lot of people who get very edgy about. It. I made a pick; they didn't make a pick five seconds later. Just just chill a little, relax, enjoy it. The guy in our league who waits until the three hour time limit runs out and then a minute later sends out a report that the next guy is on the board. That that guy's got to leave, and I don't care if he's <laughs> listening because I, you know what, I'm not 25 anymore, so like I don't have the patience for this. And I know that we're getting off topic here, but yeah. if you're one of those guys and you're in my league, either I'm going to leave or you're going to leave at some point because I just don't want to deal with you anymore. Like honestly, I don't. But, uh, well, anyway, not me. Look, I know what you're. Ta- I know what you're talking about. But then the worst no, part is, I, I'm not even. I'm not even talking that. That we. I had a discussion with a couple other people in the industry that there's a little need to just remember we should all chill and enjoy this. <laughs> I think it's a possibility by next year or the year after I drop out of every single league I'm in. <laughs> I no, I, I don't think no. I'm in any leagues with you. I mean, I don't think I'm in any fantasy leagues with you at all. All right, we're changing that. We're no, I don't think that. I want to. We're going to we'll win that. it, and I'll finish second. Moving on to the news, Austin Noll has a broken finger, and you know I'm not the least bit surprised. He's a catcher. People, what are you doing? I don't want to have the same argument I've had with Tristan many times before on this show, but catchers get hurt more than other people, more than starting pitchers, and sometimes they don't even tell you about it. So if we look at the live draft trends, the number one catcher already fractured his thumb. That's JT Real Muto. We think he's going to be ready for opening day, mainly because the Phillies don't want to put Jeff Mathis on their 40-man roster. How ridiculous is this? They don't have room. Uh, But they have room for Roman Quinn, who's probably hurt right now. Anyway, Real Muto is the number one catcher. Tristan takes him way too early. Grandel of the White Sox still isn't catching. He has a knee problem. He's now number five in ESPN ADP um, after Real Muto, Sal Perez, Will Smith, not the pitcher, and Will Contreras, um, the brother. And then Austin Noah is the number nine catcher, but not for long. He's going to plummet now because Mitch Garver's hitting and Noah has a fractured finger. What make what do you what do you make of the catcher situation right now? I mean, three of the top nine are currently hurt. Yes, and I, I'll say that I am not getting as many shares of JT Realmuto as you'd expect. And when I looked at that ADP this morning, it's ridiculous. It's it's really aggressive. Yeah, but you rank him number fifty. That's ridiculous. No, I don't. I do not rank him fifty, and I've never ranked him fifty. I've ranked him not in too many spots behind that when everything was looking great. But I think he's fifty-one in ADP right now. That is really aggressive considering the current circumstances. Um, Grand Alonola, are you worried? I am a little bit with Nola. I mean, there's no reason to rush him here. We don't have a timetable. Without anything firm, I have to question whether he's ready for opening day. They have options that they could play Luis Capisano. They have Victor Caratini, who's already going to catch you, Darvish, anyway. I don't think I'm really excited about either one from a from a draft day perspective. But Nola was one of those ones who, and I'm sure he was on your list of guys that you're taking at the end of your draft in an ESPN league. I was too. This prevents you from doing that. 
weird stuff going on in ESPN ADP. I, Jan Gomes is not even one of the top 50 catchers going in drafts. So something's wrong there. I yeah, just took it. it. Remember that anybody who's outside the draftable tier I falls know, into the still. percent rostered, and it, it's it's tricky. It's a math thing. I, 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 I just took him in a league. It's a sim, but still, I took him in a league because like there was a catcher run. And I was like, well, Tucker Barnhart went. <laughs> and Kirk Sally went. I'm like, all right, I better get a catcher. So I took Jan Gomes. I, I, you mm-hmm. know, like, anyway, moving on. Uh, Mike Alfranco is a Baltimore Oriole. Unless you roster Rio Ruiz, this is good news. Do you care? Yeah. Do you care about Mike Alfranco? I mean, I can make the case that you should because we play in deeper leagues and you you play in an AL only and somebody must have got him in AL labor and somebody's going to get him in AL tout. But um, if Michael Franco goes 1870 and 260, which is maybe aggressive, how far is that from like Kyle Seeger or Brian Anderson or JD Davis? It's not really, right? Yeah, no. it's not it's not worlds off it. As a matter of fact, this is a pretty good destination for him. You got the hitting friendly ballpark there. You know, I, I don't think the divisional play really has any sort of impact on him. I do think they'll mix and match a little bit, but yeah, he he's capable of nailing down a starting job in a decent spot. I, I think you're you've summed it about right. I mean, he's had twenty home runs three times in his career. Yeah, it was Philadelphia's launching pad, but Baltimore's no less than that. And uh, this is actually a pretty decent spot for him. I'm not going to say he has to be drafted now in in ten team mixed, but you could make the case. Other news, uh, Shohei Itani uh, got hammered by the White Sox yesterday. Five earned, all, all in one inning, I think. Do you care? Do you are you do you have any shares of Shohei Itani? I have no shares in any leagues, even mine. Oh, I'm just he, ignoring him. He slipped in one of the drafts, and I was stunned that it happened, and I did scoop him up, but that was a clear value thing. Um, I'm actually kind of happy this happened because there was a growing massive buzz behind how he was looking in the reports on spring training up to that stage. This is the reminder that it's not all golden with him. He does not belong in the top 100 overall picks. I, I'm not sure he belongs in the top 200. Does he? I think that is a fair debate whether he does. And that's where I picked him up is that he dropped down to about 200 and I think it was outside of that. And that's when I'll jump on board. But once he's going in round 13, 14, 15. Isn't he just, isn't he just more trouble than it's worth? He, yeah. In, in our game, just because of the nature of the daily transactions – I like him a lot better, but it, labor, mm, not comfortable. No. I am going to – and look, I'm sure he's a really nice guy and there's a lot of upside here. Maybe I'm just missing the boat, but I just – even in a, a daily, it's like it's a lot of trouble. And I think his injuries are going to keep going. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. Anyway, let's keep going here without Kyle, who just texted me. So we're just going to keep the show going and, and see if it works. <laughs> it's kind of where we're at we at this point. We keep the train on the track as best we can. Yep. <laughs> uh, another injury here. And this is another player I'm not rostering anywhere. And you saw me just dump him in one league. Kwong Hyun Kim of the Cardinals, who whose ERA and whip last season are just not the least bit sustainable for, for the way he throws. Um, he has an injury. And Daniel Ponce de Leon has discovered uh, a spot in the Cardinals rotation. Uh, do you care? I keep saying this because we don't have a lot of news among major players. I mean, why do we care that Kent Tomato is starting opening day? We already rank him in the top 20 starting pitchers. But somebody like Daniel Ponce de Leon, if you're in a deep league or an NL only, he could matter. Are, yeah. Does he matter to you? He, he does from a matchups perspective. This is got a guy who falls in the streaming tier as long as it's outside the ESPN standard of 10 teams. Um, and, and I actually find Cardinals pitching news interesting because – 
They do play in a ballpark that increases the opportunity for streaming there. It's a pitching-friendly environment. That's the central division in the NL, which I think is going to be chock full of great streaming opportunities. Besides him, um, there had been some talk that John Gant could get a look in the starting rotation. So I do think there are going to be guys who sneak through all of your drafts who you can freely pick up, stream them against weaker offenses. So yeah, keep an eye there. Um, any other news here that you saw that was interesting to you? Because I'm kind of out of stuff. I mean, I just like must the rest of it. Like Ian Anderson looked good, but he's again this guy I'm not really rostering anywhere. I, I guess I should answer who I am rostering, but I I seem to keep ending up with the same players in a lot of these drafts. Um, anybody any any other news here that that like Danny Santana, the Red Sox, don't care. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I don't want him to be sick or in the hospital, but like, I don't have him on rosters. Gregory Polanco played this weekend. I, you know what? I've been burned already by this yeah. guy. I'm, I, I have Dustin Fowler in that league, actually. I'll throw you this question then. So, how are you feeling about the you know players who are having decent power surges? So, for example, Jock Peterson, Joey Gallo, looking very good from a power angle, and tie that to the fact that some players have been. I think it was Blake Snell that mentioned this that they do think they see a, a difference in the ball. Are you? How are you feeling about players like that? Peterson, Gallo? I'm not sure it changes anything for me because I think we knew that they had power anyway. And I think the issue with Jock Peterson would be if they play him against lefties, which would be a good and a bad thing. It would hurt his batting average. He might hit a few more home runs. Like, do you want Jock Peterson being a big, a, a platoon guy and hitting 28 home runs and batting 260? Or do you want him playing against lefties and batting 230 overall with 32 home runs? I'd rather have a little bit more batting average, I think. So I, I'm not sure I'd agree with that. Yep. I'd agree with that. And especially in our game, again, going to the daily transactions, you can avoid the days he's not playing when a lefty's on the mound. And that, that means you're maximizing every single one of those games. All right. Now it's time for some trivia. And I'm not going tricky here. I'm not trying to get you guys off the beaten path here, the wrong answer. I just want to pay some respect to Caravelle's man, Nelson Cruz. He's got four seasons after turning 35 with at least 30 bombs and a 270 batting average. Can you name the other three players in MLB history that can say that? So it's not active. It's it's anyone. It could anyone. be. Could be active. I could hope active, yeah, yeah. when I turn 35 that I'm as successful as Nelson Cruz. I, I hope I write as well and podcast as well when I turn 35 as Nelson Cruz. You're angling that way. You still got many, many, many years before that, and I've got even a few more than that. (laughs) Will Cruz retire before you turn 35? (laughs) Probably, yeah. Probably. We'll see, though. It's going to be close. Uh, I have have some guesses, but uh, we'll do that at the end there. Um, Yeah, we can – We'll circle back there. John's got a question about Dynasty. He wants to know why Clevingers rank so much higher than guys like Wheeler and Corbin that are basically the same age. All right. Well, I heard uh, only a little bit of what you said there. But um, so Mike Clevenger, it's Mike Clevenger versus Wheeler and Corbin in Dynasty formats, Tristan. And he's right. We do rank Clevenger ahead. And it's because we think that he is better. He's younger, obviously. But he's also – there's a higher upside there. We believe that Clevenger is like a Cy Young potential guy, but it is Tommy John surgery. There's no guarantee when he comes back that he's going to be awesome. Whereas Wheelers and Corbin are obviously older and they don't possess the same upside. Uh, you don't want Corbin at all. There's concerns about, there was a story about in the Philly Inquirer, I think about Wheeler. Can he strike hitters out like he did two years ago? Or is he going to be a ground ball pitcher? And the, the fact remains that he could do either one. He can do whatever he wants to get hitters out if to be more efficient, which is a little bit of a concern. If Zach Wheeler throws 200 innings this season, not saying he will, 
he's not striking out 200 guys. He's going to be more like last year with the ground balls, I believe. So are you concerned about Clevenger to answer the question in dynasty formats? I am just because of the repeat surgery. I mean, the history of those is not that promising, but it's also a very, very limited sample. I think you summed up Wheeler just right as to why I'd have him behind Clevenger. I feel like on a when they're healthy, peak talent health, uh, uh, basis, that Wheeler is a step behind Clevenger. Corbin's a tough read, though. And and the the reason I'm worried about him is how slider-reliant he is and how taxing that is on his arm. I, I feel like there's some year-over-year worry for me. It's entirely possible Corbin's the best of these three. But I think Clevenger, at his peak, when he's healthy, and a year from now we'll get to that point, I think he's he's a step ahead of these two. All right, next question here. We're having some problems again with Kyle um, and connecting, so I'm going to read these. Matt writes, how do you evaluate Mondesi and Luis Robert in a keeper OBP league? On-base percentage is not exactly their strength. Ten teams, seven keepers. Um, Mondesi and Robert. <sighs> We've been over the Monacy thing over and over again to the point where I don't. I think you wrote about him in your Tristan's twenty, saying that maybe like he's so overrated, he's become underrated. Is kind of what I got from that a little bit, you know, that I'm viewing it wrong. And Robert is no better in on base percentage, though he's hitting for Robert has power that Monacy doesn't. So I don't view them exactly the same. It's one thing to not be a walker. Starling Marte's not a walker. There's plenty of people that aren't walkers. But you got to make contact. You got to, and if you have power, legit power, that's that's different. I don't think Montesi has legit power. Do you? He's got legit pop. I don't know how to call it legit power. He's going to get into one when when things are just right and he gets his pitch. I don't think it's the same, and it's not even close. I don't think the natural raw power that Robert has. Uh, the problems here, where so you mentioned about Montesi and the value points. In NFBC, he's got a 24th overall ADP. In ESPN, he's got a 55th overall ADP. And I'd consider 55th just waiting too long. That's even below what mine or your rankings is for him. And I understand it based on the completely streaky nature of the player. But yeah, I just just think you're going to find your spots. OVP, these are the two I wrote about, in fact, in the generator, the uh, the dollar generator column, that they get crushed by OBP. And I didn't realize how much Robert gets crushed by OBP. I, I, it was pretty dramatic. So I'm, I'm much more lukewarm about these two in this format. I really am. But I, I think I'd rather – I agree with you, the more complete player in Robert. It's actually very close between these two, but I probably would go with Robert. You down with OBP? Yeah, you know me. Yes. Um, go. I love it. By the way – I think we can explain the difference between ADP and NFBC and ESPN pretty simply. People in NFBC think that, and I don't disagree, Adelbert Amonesi has the potential to be one of the top five fantasy players in all the land. He does. And if you're in an NFBC league or you're playing for money, you're playing for upside. I'm playing for caution in an ESPN league because I know that that free agency is so easily accessible by you know, the rosters are so shallow that there's going to be so much free agency. NFBC, you don't have that that right. Is, am I wrong about this? Like, Montessi has the upside of a top a top player in all of fantasy. If Montessi went 25 homers and 65 steals and hit 280, he, he'd be the number one player in fantasy. He'd be ahead of Acuna and Tatis. Mm-hmm. That's why people do it. I think that's one of the reasons, yes. 
And I think the other is simply that our game is traditionally 10 teams. So the majority of our ADP is coming from that. And we also have a lot of eight team leagues where that's also influencing the ADP. Um, and NFBC is 15 team. And in a 15 team league, there's also the issue of uh, replacement level steals are way, way, way below what an eight or 10 team format. So, and I might get in trouble for this, but why would we use ESPN ADP if you and I play in so many deeper leagues? Shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be quoting NFBC ADP because that's more realistic for the leagues that we play in? And maybe a lot of people that listen? No, because the thing is our universe is still the ESPN user, which is going to be the traditional mixed 10. And, and I'm going to leave it at 10. I mean, we do see eights, we do see twelves. Um, but I think it's good for us to, especially here, discuss the other angles because we do have a listener base, especially those on the podcast who do look at leagues like NFBC or do look at the labor or tout ale or NL only. Which we use both. We, we should use both when we discuss yeah, things because absolutely. Like I rank Monesty 60th, but I realize that's ridiculous. His upside is a top player. Did you rank uh, him 60th? Really? I don't want him. And you know what? I, I, okay. I, why am I ranking players? I, I realized this in football a couple years ago. Why am I going to rank Patrick Mahomes number 12 if there's no chance in the world I'm going to draft him at number 12? So so like two years ago, I started moving all the quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks to like 40. And people said, that's dumb. Nobody's going to do that. I don't care what anyone else is going to do. I won't draft a quarterback in the first 30 picks. So why would I rank him that way? So I look better to the rest of the industry? That's ridiculous. I'm not going to draft Monacy over Nelson Cruz. I'm not going to do it. Okay? You might think that's dumb, and I don't care. I'm going to rank Monacy where I would take him. And I would take Nelson Cruz like 45th and I would take Monacy like 60th because I don't want to deal with Monacy. I, I don't. And I actually agree with you hundred percent on that. And I think everybody should do that. And I don't want to say, I don't care what you think. I no, I think, you think. I think but, I I, but in a general sense, like it's dumb to rank somebody where you wouldn't take them. Why would I do that? Right. And, and I'm, I, it's, remember we're ranking 300 plus players. I mean, I'm ranking like a thousand players so that we have them for the game. So it's hard to have that right between, you know, three to five ranking spots. Perfect. Absolutely pristine in the rankings. But yeah, I agree. I'm not going to rank a guy where I'm not taking him. I don't think it does a service to our, our users and, and, or and listeners. If, I hope Monacy has an awesome season. All right. And I'm going to lose leagues because of it. Maybe I will, but I'm a cautious drafter, which is why I'm entitled. I don't think there, I think there's a case to be made that he doesn't belong in the top 75 overall picks. I think there's a case to be made for that. And I think there's the case that if you believe he's a top 12 player. If you believe we put a steals on the moon, Leo's next uh, saves and holds league. Are you smart to just wait on the holds guys? I think so. If you're in a saves and holds leagues, I'm not going anywhere near Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, um, the Yankee closer, um, Kirby Yates, any of these guys. Cause I I'm in a league like that. And I wait until like round 23 and I just take Craig Stammen types who always get 25 holds a year. I mean, he, he's not the best example this year because now he's buried in the Padres bullpen. But you know what I mean? Like there's like there's plenty of holds guys who I think can get 20 plus holds. I would rather in a saves plus holds league draft those guys that get strikeouts. OK, as like Giovanni Gallegos, the Cardinals. We think Jordan Hicks is going to close, even though Gallegos doesn't throw as hard, but he's better and more efficient, I think, for ERA and whip. Gallegos could get 25 holds. Uh, by the way, that 25 pitch, 22 pitch at bat between Jordan Hicks and Luis Guillorme of the Mets on Sunday doesn't mean anything in fantasy, but it, I was I was watching it happen on Twitter, and I thought, if Jordan Hicks can't put Luis Guillorme away, maybe we should be writing and talking about that. Like, if he can't put him away, 
I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm down on Jordan Hicks, but I'm down on Jordan Hicks. Giovanni Gallegos is the better pitcher. He should be closing. Anyway, answer the question. Saves plus holds league. Are you just ignoring saves guys and taking holds guys? Or what do you think? Yeah. Interesting thought on Hicks, by the way, is that if he's not efficient with his pitches, kind of the Blake Snell argument, then, you know, you, I like the path you're leading us down there. Um, I would wait in the current environment. I think I, I really love the Tampa Bay bullpen. I really love the San Diego bullpen in this league. And I think there's going to be at least one and probably up to three opportunities coming out of either of those two teams. And that alone is going to drive this because teams are going to go more in the direction of picking their situations, not roles. And that's going to give you a lot of holds guys late in your draft. I think there's going to, that's where you're going to find the value in the past. I might not have agreed with that because you don't get as many holds as saves. That's in the past. You just didn't, but this year. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron writes, how do you account for bench spots when using the value calculator? You're the expert on this. What say you? <laughs> this is a great question. I, cause I think about this a lot. Um, Treat the, the generator as the portion of your draft that goes into the salary cap format. So, for example, we called them auctions before. That's the portion that goes into the generator. So, in, for example, if you are rostering during that portion of your draft, like labor, not the six-round reserve at the end, you're taking the 14 hitters and the nine pitchers, and that is what you're entering into the generator. And then the bench becomes the portion that is the highest rated in the negative dollar amounts. And that's typically the way I go is that I do them by the negative dollar amounts. But if your league does include those in the draft experience, then by all means, you can add that. But for me, it's the starting lineup. You do the starting lineup, you pull the highest rated negative guys. And by the way, be careful. I would not go strictly by the order of those values because they're all considered negative there. I would go, I would, I would finagle that a little bit and take the guys that you like. Next up is Alex. Uh, he needs his third keeper. It's a 12-team head-to-head points league. He's already keeping Mookie Betts and Trevor Barra. That's pretty good. Third keeper, Ozzy Albies, Manny Machado, or Tyler Glass now. That seems like it's Machado, doesn't it not? Yeah, they're all good. But how could Glass now be on the same level of Machado or Albies? Like, Machado's a monster. Head to head it's not like he has another third baseman. I, know, I understand it's a different format than Roto, but even so, Machado had to have scored more than Albies. I'm not sure well, what Albies I mean, he did. He did, he did because Albies missed some time. I mean, if, if Albies had stayed fully healthy, I think the projection is going to put Albies within range of Machado. Off the top of my head, it's going to go, it, this probably goes Machado, Albies, Glasnow, but it's actually pretty close because of the pitching weight in a points league. I know, but Glasnow to me is not one of those pitchers that belongs there. First of all, he's already keeping Bauer, and Glasnow is not, he's no lock for 30 starts ever. Right. So yeah. to me, that I understand the value of, of pitchers and starting pitchers and points leagues, but Glasnow still scares me. And that's Strasburg. Glasnow is the AL version of Strasburg to me. I know it's different injuries, but yeah. how can we count on 30 starts for either of these guys? Yeah, the problem um, is it's still the, – the other benefit is in a shallow – well, I mean, okay, so as a 12-team standard mixed, um, the replacement pool for Glasnow's absences might be still pretty decent in a points league. You might be able to just stream that spot. I have Albies in a league, and I'm like, I bet I could trade him for more than he's worth right now. I keep a league, and I think I might try to do that. All right, I got um, the projections for you. I've got 442 for him. That would be the number 21 starting pitcher for Tyler Glasnow using the ESPN projections. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. But it's also almost a best-case scenario for durability. It's or, more modest than I expected. Buy. Machado is the number 11 hitter with 463 points, and Albies would be – Albies is the number 25 hitter with 418. 
I think Albie's a little overrated in fantasy. I think people assume he's going to steal 25 bases. Um, health, you never know. But also, the number two hitter in Atlanta's lineup is a is a big deal. And it looks like it's Dansby Swanson right now and not Albies, doesn't it? I mean, based on the spring. And I think in a lot of cases, this has changed over the years. Managers are putting their main lineup out there. We, we can see what a lot of teams are doing with their lineups. Um, you, when you take that? Okay. All right. <laughs> this, this is podcasting <laughs> in a pandemic. Albies is challenging you. He's calling and saying, wait a minute. Hold on. What about me? <laughs> I mean, we lost Kyle and now Kyle's calling you. All right, next, final one. John, crystal ball time. Trout, Franco, Andrew Vaughn. Their overall ADPs in 2025. It's not Mike Cal Franco, it's Wander. Mike Trout, Wander Franco, I say, or Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> Throw Mike Cal in there just for the fun of it. <laughs> All right, so their overall ADPs in 2025. So that's four years away. Is Trout still doing this? And are Wander Franco and Andrew Vaughn just awesome? I'm going to say that Wander Franco in 2025 is. Oh God, I so want to say his ADP is number one. I do, but I think it's I think it's top five. I think I'm pretty confident it will be top five, and I think it's gonna be one, two, three. Trout in twenty twenty. Trout ain't running now, he ain't running in four years. So right. he's not a top ten guy anymore. But is he a top twenty guy? That Vaughn is be- gonna run at all. Vaughn is, is 33? Yeah. 32, 33. Probably has lost the stolen bases. I'm They're already lost the stolen bases. I mean, lost like they're gone. There's no double digit hole. Oh, one base last year, Tristan. So one more base than you did last year. The stolen bases are gone. Sixty games, whatever. Um, you really think he's going to steal one base this year? I think he's going to steal single digits, and we're going to be having a different conversation next March. I really do. He stole eleven bases in 2019 in a full season. He's not okay. a base stealer anymore. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'm I'm thinking that the one is is. Quite possible. We'd be looking at Trout a whole lot differently than we do right now. And we we should be. I mean, he's awesome. And skill-wise, the best. Trout's going to be where Marcel Azuna is today and maybe a, maybe a little bit better than that. But I think that's where he's going to be. And I think Vaughn's going to be – see, it's not Pete Alonso. I, I think he's less Nelson power – <Cruz. laughs> Yeah, but Nelson Cruz is a DH. I mean, I don't uh, – Cruz is getting an Vaughn unfair Vaughn may shape. be a DH. Vaughn may not be a first baseman ever. Yeah, true, true. Um, Vaughn, yeah, I'm Goldschmidt? trying to think of a player comp. Yeah, but Goldschmidt had the steals influencing his ADP. That's- Rizzo? Yeah, kind of where Rizzo's been in the past three to five years. 75. So I'll say Wander Franco top five, Trout 30, and uh, and Vaughn like 75. That's a good question. That's a fun question. I think Vaughn will be better going. than that. I think Vaughn will be 40, 40, 40 50. He certainly could be. Uh, I mean, could be where we have Luke Voigt. Why can't he be? Um, by the way, join our join- tournament challenge league. We have a tournament challenge league, Tristan, for the NCAA apparently, tournament. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kyle apparently do- does not think that Gonzaga is going to win the entire tournament. Uh, he's not on right now listening, so he can't uh, read any of this. <laughs> but he um, he tweeted out his bracket, and this is going to be so much fun, the NCAA tournament. I can't wait. I can't wait to stay up really late after my bedtime to watch Villanova on Friday night. Anyway, join our tournament challenge league. Uh, Kyle will tweet out the link on Monday and announce our champions on Thursday's show. To satisfy your baseball needs between now and then, check out the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. Um, Tristan, who do you think is winning the NCAA tournament? Bacon. 
<laughs> they can always they can always wins. They can always um so the bracket sure, challenge am I, group. Am I throwing UVA at you again? <laughs> I hope they get to play. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. Um by the way, you know, Kyle with the great stats on that one. Didn't you enjoy that one about number thirteen seeds that sell bacon at their stadium uh win thirty eight percent of the first round matchups? It was a good I stat. I believe the bracket challenge group is called fantasy focused baseball. If you want to get in there, as Kyle texts me. Um, so, yeah, that's what it is. Fantasy podcasting in a pandemic. Uh, fantasy focused baseball on ESPN Tournament Challenge. And, you know, I I think Gonzaga is going to, I don't know who's going to beat Gonzaga, but there's a Big Ten team out there. There probably could, probably four or five of them that could. It's going to be a, a great tournament. Um, any final thoughts here? I think we're done for today, right? Yeah, I think we went long enough. All right, good. All right. Um, anyway, check out Tristan's fine oh, work. Oh, 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 we didn't do the trivia answers. Oh, okay. So the trivia question. I'm not looking. Is, I'm not looking. We know two of them. Two of them are obvious. Um, so what player? Nelson Cruz has four seasons after turning 35 with 30 homers and a 270 batting average. Can you name the other three players that can say that? So, I mean, Bonds is Barry Bonds is the first guy. Bonds is one. easy. Yep. Who's you the other it. easy one? Hank Aaron, I assume. Actually, Maybe. I was going to say David Ortiz was the easy one. I mean, Babe Ruth. Obviously did it. Oh, I don't think he did after 35. I don't think he did four. Uh, well, he did. I think you might be uh, right on Hank Aaron. <laughs> All right. So so the other three players, Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, I think like Daryl Evans, Rafael Palmero, or guys that come to mind who hit for a lot of power after 35, but I don't know if they had the batting average. Bonds, Hank, and Poppy. Galarraga, Ortiz came to mind. He's tri- So the answer is Bonds uh, is Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. Um, but I, man, did Palmero really over Ortiz? Wow. Ortiz didn't do it, I guess. All right. You sure about that? Look up, look this up. I'm looking this yeah, up. Yeah, I've got to verify your work there, Kyle. <laughs> How did David Ortiz not do it? Oh, that's incredible. Maybe he didn't have the batting average. Actually, he probably um, didn't have the homers. He was a batting he, he, average guy, yeah. He had the homers, but he didn't have the batting average. 270. Uh, he only did it over, no, oh, well. Okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll rectify this on Thursday's show if Kyle can join us. We think that's the answer. Uh, anyway, check back. Anyway, you should always be checking out Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Sapi. I'm Karabarik, and he is at Sultan of Stat. We're done for Monday's show. We will be back on Thursday to talk about lots of other stuff, but I can't tell you what. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, have an awesome week.